And so today we're going to be reading, Dodds is going to be preaching from Isaiah 60. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 14. So hear the word of the Lord. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to, your, to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall become from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall, co- shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Epheth, and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you, and the, and the rams of Neboiatheth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar. And I will beautify my house. My, I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because He has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations, with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. For those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who, who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, My name is Dodds. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn Heights. Very glad to be with you this morning. Even uh, with COVID casting a bit of a shadow on all of our Christmases, I do hope that all of you had time yesterday to enjoy and celebrate the advent and birth of King Jesus with your families, your friends, maybe even some neighbors. I do hope that you got to do that. Uh, We are now in a season of the church calendar called Christmastide, which will last until the evening of January 5th. And so since we are in Christmastide, I do want to encourage all of you, all of you here, all of you joining us online, I want you to continue to celebrate Christmas because truthfully, Christmas didn't end yesterday. It began yesterday. Advent is the season of waiting and longing, but Advent is not Christmas. 
Advent gets us ready for Christmas very much like Lent gets us ready for Easter. Advent and Lent are seasons of preparation and longing for the coming light. So in Advent, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And in Christmas, we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. I know yesterday when you opened the last present or you ate the last bite of dinner or said goodbye to the last family member, whatever it was, maybe there was a sense that another Christmas had come and gone, but I don't want us to miss that Christmas has just begun. So keep celebrating, keep singing, keep your decorations up, but on purpose, right? Share another gift or a meal with your neighbors if you are able. Because in Christmas tide, we are still celebrating the dawn of Christ's birth, which is now shining on us and shining on the whole world. This is precisely the prophecy of Isaiah 60 that a coming light will light and draw men, women, and children, nations and kings, treasures and wonders. And according to Isaiah, the light that draws the nations is the light that God is. The glory of Yahweh that rises over Israel is the radiant and luminous cloud that led them through the wilderness. The storm cloud that was enthroned above the cherubim in the temple and tabernacle. And when that light comes, Isaiah says, it shines into God's people. It shines into Israel. The light that dwells in Israel will attract the nations of the earth. As verse 3 says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. When the nations come to the light that is Zion, God's city, they will bring the sons and daughters of Israel with them. It's an incredible image. Yahweh will not leave his people in exile. He will bring them back, and when they come, they will be carried along by the kings and nations from the Gentiles. But the nations, and as we just read, the nations will not just bring back Israel's exiles. They will also bring varied treasures with them. Isaiah envisions a caravan of camels riding over the plains from Midian and Sheba and Kedar and all these other distant lands. They'll bring gold and silver, flocks and herds, trees, <laughs> cedars from Lebanon and Cyprus, junipers. They will, they will bring so much into God's city that the gates will never be able to close. <laughs> the gates will continuously stay open because there will be this constant procession of goods and peoples and treasures streaming into God's city. The reference to Sheba and to a caravan of camels reminds us of the queen of Sheba who visited Solomon to marvel at his wisdom. And so Isaiah foresees a future return of that Solomonic glory when not just Sheba, but the kings of the earth will make their way to Jerusalem and gain wisdom from the great king and view his achievements and treasures. And it is, it's incredible to note that nearly everything that the nations bring is used for worship in the temple. They bring gold, like the gold that covered the floor and walls and furniture of the temple. They bring incense, like the incense that was turned to smoke on the golden altar in the holy place. 
They bring their flocks and rams, not merely as tribute, but so that these animals can be offerings on the altar of God. The wood that they bring provides the lumber needed to rebuild the temple. And Isaiah is quite explicit about this. And this would have blown Israel's mind that foreigners, that Gentiles, will be responsible for helping to rebuild the walls of God's city. They will glorify and adorn and rebuild the place, this place of the Lord's dwelling. I know that as we're reading, we can kind of see in there also this direct prophecy of the Magi in the passage. Isaiah says that the kings will, who come to the light of Zion will bring their gold and frankincense with them. You can see the wise men bowing before Jesus. The Magi are acknowledging that Jesus is the true temple, God's dwelling place on earth. The star, the light, leads them to Christ in whom God was pleased to dwell. In Isaiah, he, he promises Israel that the kings of the nations will become not only just rebuilders, they will become servants of God and of Israel. They will come to offer priestly service to this priestly nation. Kings will become the nursemaids to the people of God, according to verse 16 in this chapter. Israel inherited a land flowing with milk and honey, and yet now, in this picture, kings will actually humble themselves to supply what the land once did. See, in this context, the Gentiles despised and abused the people of Israel, and it was the nations who were the instruments of the Lord's wrath. But now, now the Lord is going to make the Gentile nations bow before his people. They will, they will do homage to the people of God and will acknowledge that Jerusalem and Zion are the city of God and the home of the Holy One. They will honor God in honoring Israel. But this is, this is not just a promised restoration. The glory of God's city is going to be enhanced by the welcoming of these Gentile nations. All the materials used for the first temple will be replaced with more precious material for a new temple. Bronze will be transformed into gold, iron into silver, wood into bronze, stone into iron. And earlier in this prophecy, Isaiah mentions the name of Cyrus, the, the Persian king who sent Israel back from exile. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had taken them into exile, but the Persians eventually overthrew the Babylonians and liberated many of the nations that had been captured by the Babylonians, and Israel is one of those nations. Cyrus sends the captives off with treasure, promises for protection, and he provides for them. See, even before Jesus came, God was shining his light on the nations. Gentile kings became servants to the servants of God, priests to the priests of God. He intended to draw the nations in. And when we consider this passage and the history it refers to, we realize that he was even accomplishing it then. He was actually working out the salvation of the nations through history in history. You know, throughout this passage, there is this ambiguity between the light that God himself is and the light of Israel. Let's talk about that for a moment. Because verse 1, arise, shine, for your light has come, is, 
it's a curious address. A light has come to God's people, and yet Isaiah calls God's people to get up and shine. It's as though Isaiah is saying that the people of God are not only supposed to be the recipient of light, and not only to be radiated upon by that light, but that God's people receive light in order to radiate light. God has always intended to make his people a light in the world by shining on them and shining through them. So when the nations come to the light, as Isaiah describes, they come to God's light, the light that God is, but they are also coming to the light of Israel, the brightness of her rising, the brightness of Israel's dawn, the radiance of a new day that has come upon Israel. We see it here in verses four and five. Let's read that for a moment. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. What, a, what an incredible image. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. See, Israel, this is the promise that Israel will become radiant because of the joy she experiences when she sees the exiles return. She sees the troops of nations and kings come bearing their lost children and her heart expands and her face shines as these peoples and treasures flood into her midst. In fact, there's, there is a, a full circle here and it's incredible God's glory draws the nations by glorifying Israel. The nations bring their glory to God's city, and that glory adorns and glorifies the city in which they come into. And then that glory draws because it itself is glorious, and in turn, that glory shines out and draws more glory, and God's city and people move from glory to glory to glory to glory. I know something like this seems harder to see in COVID. But this is the truth of what Christ is doing with his bride. This is the truth of what Christ is doing with us. And it's incredible to me to note this too, that this passage is nearly identical to what John describes in the book of Revelation. Revelation 21 starting in verse 22, says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Incredible. This is incredible news, that God's light shines out to the nations, but it does so through the translucent and reflective people of God his, and his sparkling city, the church. God's light reaches the nations because he makes that light, which is himself, available through us, through the church. 
the church, the body of the Son, Jesus, who is the radiance of the Father's glory, radiates the light that is the Son through the beauty and the power of the Spirit. And maybe, I hope that's all very stirring to us. I do, but I mean, these are beautiful images that we have from Scripture, beautiful promises, prophecy, And Isaiah 60 is a wonder of a chapter. I encourage you to go back to it, to camp out and and mine more of its beauty. But for this morning, what does that mean for us and our lives? What does that mean for us as Sojourn, the church at Sojourn Heights? What does it mean for us to be God's light in the world? How does the light of Jesus shine through us? Just most simply this morning, According to the words of our king, it shines in our good works. You are the light of the world, Jesus says in Matthew. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, all the disciples of Jesus are God's true people and the fulfillment of this very vision in Isaiah. In Matthew's context, When Jesus says these words, he's talking about our meekness, our hunger and our thirst for justice and righteousness, our mercy, our purity of heart manifested in our quick efforts to reconcile with adversaries and enemies, our sexual fidelity, our truthfulness, our refusal to take vengeance, our giving, our praying, our fasting. All these are works through which the light of Jesus shines through us to the nations. And conversely so, that's what makes greed and jealousy and hate so destructive is because it dims the lamp of God's city. When we hide our good works, we become like Pharisees who do good works only to our friends and not to strangers, not to enemies. And when we do that, we dim the light of God that is meant to shine through us into the face of others. We lose our way, and it's not so much, it is important that we might lose our way in such a thing, but it's also important because if our light dims, the nations don't know where to go. There's no lamp for the nations. We radiate God's light when we produce the fruits of the spirit of light and every action of God's saints in light, no matter how small, is a light shining in the darkness. See, our love is, by God's grace, our love is light in the world. Our joy radiates into the darkness. Our peaceableness is luminous. We shine the light of Christ when we put on patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness, faithfulness and self-control. We are light when we expose the darkness. We are light when we stand for justice and truth in the public square, at work, in our homes, with our neighbors. But I do want you to take heart in all of this because for all of this is supplied by the one who has come, is supplied by our king, by the light who is shining on us, 
This is not something that comes from us. This is something that radiates in us and through us to the rest of the world. It is Jesus and his spirit who empowers us for such deeds of light. And Christmas tide is a season of light. It celebrates the coming of Jesus as the light of the world, as the light of revelation to the Gentiles. But if we stop there, if we don't, if we don't grasp what God is up to in, in his world, his purpose has always been not only to shine light into the world, but to exalt his people as children of light, as bright stars shining in the darkness, as guides to the nations, to the house where God dwells. And bringing light is not a defensive action. As the body of Christ, we've been illuminated by Christ and we were becoming more and more his ministers of flaming fire, according to Psalm 104. And much like God does in Isaiah 59, we too put on armor and head out to defeat darkness in the world. But it is with the acts of mercy and hospitality, generosity and love, it's with those weapons that we wage war and wage rebellion against the darkness. They are the swords that slay enemies in a way that makes them rise as lights in the kingdom. See, light not only drives out darkness, it, it directs, right? It guides. The luminous work of the sun is continued in us, the work of his saints in light by the light of the spirit which is within us. So we should not hide our good works, sojourn. They must go public. Our love and generosity and hospitality and self-control is welcomed, is encouraged to be present, not only in our homes, but in the city square, in our neighborhoods, in our neighbors' homes, at our neighbors' tables. Those are the very places where shining light guides people to the house of God, where they too will be invited to adorn God's house to an even greater glory. And our joy in seeing that, in witnessing that, in being there, our hearts will overflow with new brothers and sisters at our side and in our home with the treasures that they bring and with the treasures that they are. Our job, our job according to this text is to bring the wealth of the nations to join Christ in bringing the wealth of the nations into his body to plunder the darkness, to dig for gold, to fish for men, women, and children, to welcome strangers at our table and watch them become ministers in God's house. And that's why I encourage you at the beginning of our time together to keep celebrating in this season. Not so that we just don't lose the Christmas spirit, <laughs> but so that light continues to shine in the darkness because today and for the next 12 days, we celebrate that the light has come. And I know that we may be trepidatious about inviting people into our homes, to our tables during COVID, and so I'm not asking any one of you to cast off wisdom by no means. 
but let's consider again where and how we can continue to celebrate the light that has come and illuminated our lives, our church, this world. Honored in the spirit of Jesus, where might we honor one another? Having received the life of God, where might we give life to others? We've been exposed by the light, so where might we expose other deeds of darkness? We share in the light of Jesus, therefore we share in his overcoming as victors over the darkness. Let's, let's take time in these next 12 days to celebrate that. Having been brought back into the light through his forgiveness and mercy, where might we forgive and be merciful? From whom might we seek forgiveness and mercy ourselves? Sojourn, during Christmas time, please, I, I implore you all, I implore myself in this, keep singing, keep feasting, keep celebrating, do it on purpose. Leave the decorations up and don't count it as laziness. Count it as intentionally. No, I've, the light has come. We're keeping the tree up. We're keeping the lights up. Let us engage in these works of light and trust our king who is light to guide future brothers and sisters to himself by his spirit. And we will get to watch as his body is made more and more glorious every passing year. Let's pray. Jesus, we honor you, our King, our light. Lord, you rose. Lord, in this season, we, we honor your, your incarnation, that you came near to shine a light in the darkness. Lord, may we, in this season of Christmas time, incarnate where we can. Lord, by your spirit, give us strength to celebrate in a time when it doesn't feel like we're able to celebrate. Lord, open our mouths. Strengthen us to sing. Strengthen us to celebrate. Lord, keep us from greed and jealousy. Will you, will you transform our greed into generosity? Will you transform Lord, our jealousy into gratitude. Will you transform the, the hateful places of our heart to love, mercy, forgiveness? Or we read these words in Isaiah and we see that in Christ it has happened, it has come. And we know it will happen in a fullness. We know we wait for that day we celebrate this Christmas tide. Lord, help us to celebrate. Help us to shine light in the darkness. Shine through us, Christ, by your Spirit. We pray all of these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.